Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. Welcome to Bethlehem Church. How many have had an awesome week? Three of you? Come on now. There we go. Somebody's ready to worship. Amen. Let's ask that one more time. How many had a good week? That's better. That's better. Hey, somebody give me a pick. Is there one over there? Hey, there we go. We got some announcements. Letting everybody come on in. I see some visitors. Thankful for it. Hey, Amen. Come on in. This is going to be a crazy day. We have a baby dedication. Uh, we have four baptisms. An exorcism. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let me pull up my, my notes here. If it's your first time, if you're visiting here, it's your first time, thank you for coming. There's a barcode up on the screen behind me. There's one over there by the coffee bar. They're in the lobby. They're everywhere. It's not the sign of the tribulation. It's the sign that you need to pull out your smartphone and scan it if it's your first time here. And uh, we'll have record of your visit, and we'll send you a $5 gift card for Dunkin'. And if you don't like Dunkin', give it away. Amen? Just give it away. We got any bottle of water up here? No, that's all right. Amen. Have a sip of that. If it's your first time here, this is my wife. That's why I'm drinking after her kind of take that for granted, you know, people are like, oh, okay, that's interesting, oh, man, announcements, scan that if it's your first time, if you're looking to get connected, find a connect group, there you go, they're awesome, they're fun, uh, Christmas is coming, we have two 
Christmas Eve services, one at nine, one at 11, which is very similar to what we have going on today, if you haven't noticed. We will be doing candlelight um, and, and uh, some special things for those Christmas Eve services, but make plans to be here. How many are going to be in church on Christmas Eve? Come on now. Let's go. Man, you guys are ready, ready to charge hell this morning. Amen. All right. We're giving away 30 Christmas bags to the homeless during our Dinner for the Needy. And so see Ms. Sheila. If you can contribute to that financially, it's $14 to fill the bag. If you want to take a bag and fill it with those items, let us know. They're in the crying room. And uh, just see Ms. See Ms. Sheila. They have to be in by December 17th. Uh, so keep that in mind. we got a lot going on. How many have finished your Christmas shopping? I just need to know who to avoid. I, I just, I don't know how to track with you people. I really don't. We will be shopping all the way down to the last, the last day. Amen. Hey, good to see you, buddy. Come on in. Hey. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna worship. I'm excited about the message, and we're gonna jump in here. Let's pray together. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. You've been so good. Father, we need your Holy Spirit come. Do what only you can do. Fill the room. How many need the Holy Spirit this morning? Father, I pray that you would just move, move in our midst. Do what only you can do. We need you. Father, I need you. Pray you bless this time of worship. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. This is Kia D.
man, I love this next song. How many know why we're here? What's his name? Yeah, that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. We're going to learn about that in Hebrews chapter 8 today. In fact, we're going to get instructed in it. The Holy Spirit is going to sit us down and have a conversation from Hebrews chapter 8 this morning that we all need. But let's just remember why we're here. We're here because of Jesus.
seated church. Man, how many are thankful for his grace this morning? Amen. Man, I don't know. Sometimes you feel it more than others. Nothing like worshiping together with you. Amen. We pray that the Lord blesses this offering. And I know it's December. Amen. I know. I know we got, y'all are like, man, I, Lord, send me, send me something. I mean, I got Christmas gifts to buy. Y'all want an extra mouth to feed? We'll give one away. What do you think? No, I'm teasing I know it's December, but be faithful to the Lord in your giving. Uh, you can give in that, that box in the back. That's the easiest way, or there'll be a few ways to give on the screen. Thank you so much for your faithfulness.
So we, man, that was quick. Just got that thing, snatched it down. <laughs> um, we had baby dedication, I think it was a few weeks ago. And, uh, man, not everybody can align their schedules. And uh, if you ever want to know if you're winning or failing at life, just compare yourself with the Rosendales, and you'll figure out that you're failing. I mean, they are unbelievable. Uh, from working as a nurse, Heather, and, and just at a full load capacity, I think she homeschools three families of children, uh, and Jim is constantly pushing the boundaries in his career, and the Lord's blessed and given him favor and uh, serving our country, amen, amen. and uh, man, just unbelievable, a family that goes hard. I mean, you got one life, and they are living it to its fullest, and sometimes I feel like they're living three or four lives all in one, and so we wanted to bless them as well, and so we are going to dedicate uh, two of their children this morning, um, and just based on schedules. So let, let's uh, bless them as a church and pray for their children. But just like normal Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 7, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In order to teach a child to love the Lord with everything they have, their mom and dad must seek to learn and follow the Lord with the same fervor. And I know you all do. Uh, and these scriptures resonate. How many know the enemy is not only after you, he's after your children? And so we have to cover them in prayer and discernment from scripture. Psalm 127, three through five says this, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. I'd say you have a quiver full. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. In other words, scripture's telling us have lots of children. And I would say you are the most obedient to that command. Amen. Matthew 19, verse 13 through 15. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, leave the little children alone. And don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After placing his hands on them, he went on from there. Here is the practice that we will partake in today laying hands on and praying for these children. Uh, so this is, every, churches do it differently. Oh, no, she can stay. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> we don't mind. Yeah, she's not disturbing nothing. How many are bothered by a child? Say you're bothered. We'll choke you out. No. Look, we are a church friendly to, to children, many children. I'm literally doing a baby dedication right now. <laughs> Uh, I didn't mean the choking part. That just kind of came out. <laughs> Maybe I did mean it just a little. Uh, man, this is, it's an honor to do. Whether your church, church baptizes infants, uh, and I think how I was raised, you know, you look down upon how other churches set children aside. The general consensus is, for such is the kingdom of God. The Lord is wanting us to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He wants us to dedicate them for his purposes and his will. And the way we do that here is we lay hands on and pray. 
And, and we also see and know that it is just as much dedicating the parents as it is the children, if not more, right? Uh, so, Finnan Patrick, Patrick Rosendale, born October 23rd, 2023, at 1.25 in the morning. Why can't they come at normal times, you know? Eight pounds, 12 ounces, 21 inches long. Well, really, over 21 and a half inches long. And then Vivian Claire Rosendale, born May 28th, 2021, at 4.26 a.m. They're early risers, amen? Seven pounds, 13 ounces, 20 and a quarter inches long. Rosendales, come on up, and you all give them a hand. And while I pray, come on over here, Mo. Let's, let's get a picture here. Let's remember. Great job. Great job. Mo's doing good, isn't he? <laughs> while I pray over them, will you pray in your seat for them? Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we dedicate these two children to you. Father, I know this family is faithful to you. Father, they love you. Their, their desire is to raise their children for you. And so, Father, I pray you would protect their children. I pray you would give them favor. I pray, Father, that you would give their parents wisdom as they raise them in this chaotic world. Father, we all need wisdom. But, Father, I pray your grace. I pray your mercy on these two. I pray, Father, that you would give them a heart for you at a young age. Father, help them to trust in you and accept you as their Savior at, at a young age. Help them to see and know your love, Father. It is our prayer, it is our heart's prayer that we see them follow you. Father, you said it in Scripture, we have no greater joy than to see our children walk in truth. And that is our prayer for these children and all of our children. And so, Father, I pray, uh, even in this season, Father, not just for this dedication, but, Father, as they are walking through uh, the health issues with the diabetes, with their other daughter, Father, the, the tough difficulties that they are experiencing through that, I pray you would heal her. Father, I pray that you would step in and intervene. Holy Spirit, I pray a miracle on them. And Father, the, the struggles that they go through, Father, they're, uh, they're walking through them with poise and with grace. But Father, I know that it hurts. I know that it's difficult and it's hard to watch your children hurt. And so Father, I pray that you would just do a continued work in their life of grace, that they would see you working. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Oh my gosh, look at him. He out. Give them a hand. They got their hands full. <laughs> there you are, and here's the certificates. Yes, sir. Set them right there. All right. Let's see. What am I even doing with my life? You know what I mean? Take your Bibles. Turn to. I got to get my outline open. Turn to Jeremiah. Three for a loop. You thought it was Hebrews, didn't you? Take your Bibles. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. And we're going to go verse 31 through 34. Before we jump into the text today, we, we have to make an announcement. This is a difficult announcement. Uh, look, 
it's a t- it's a tough day, tough day for me. Um, not to kill the mood, not to kill what's going on in the service, and I believe it won't. I believe that we will continue to the, the scripture and see the Lord work today. Um, but church is about the highs and the lows. How many know that? Sometimes the lows are low. And, you know, I've been a part of church my entire life. I've seen difficult situations go okay. Uh, mostly, in my experience, I've seen them go south, you know, pretty fast. Church splits, um, division, all of those things. And, and we're, you know, we're a, pretty much a baby church, if you think of it that way. We started our church about seven years ago. And look, it's been, it's been pretty much a honeymoon, you know. It's just like so good, the Lord doing all kinds of things. Uh, but if a church is around any amount of time, you're going to experience difficulty. And it's going to be hard because we're humans. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're human beings, and humans make mistakes. Um, so this is a, a difficult announcement, but I pray that you'll receive it. And I pray that you will uh, work through it with us. Does that make sense? Here it is. I'm just going to read it. Uh, Church, I want to make you aware that Pastor Cody is on a leave of absence until further notice. He is addressing some personal issues, and he and his family need our prayers at this time. The church is for you when you are on a mountaintop, and the church should be there for you when you are in the valley. Can I get an amen? Let us be the hands and feet to him and his family during this time. Any questions can be directed to myself or the elders and not the Coopers. We all have heard that church isn't a museum, but rather a hospital. And I hope and pray that this is true for Bethlehem. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would go before us. I pray that you would begin healing. Father, do your purging work that your spirit can do oh so well. Father, none of us are perfect. None of us are above sin. We all deal with our sin. And as pastors, it's hard because sometimes we have to deal with our sin in front of everybody because that's just where we are. But Father, your church is for us. Father, your church is the place that we need to be. Pastor Cody needs to be here, needs to be in service. He needs his church to come around him and love him and hug him and pray for him. Father, like we all need, but Father, sometimes pastors need that even more so. And so, Father, I pray during this difficult season that you would come alongside of us, that you would enable us to give each other what each other needs. Father, I believe that your Holy Spirit works through each one of us, and that's how you work. That's what you do. And so, Father, I know that this will be no exception. And that is my earnest expectation, and that is my hope. Father, I pray that you would keep gossip far from our church. I pray, Father, that the words that would be spoken are reminiscent of of Psalms where it's uh, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Father, may we speak words that build up. May we speak words that edify, that purify, and not tear down. Father, it is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm coming for you this morning. I'm coming for you. This is, this is it. This, this passage 
has torn me up one side and down the other this week, and I pray it does the same for you. Amen? Oh, my. Y'all ready for some preaching? Mm. I'm still, honestly, I sweat so much in the 9 a.m. hour, I had to go change my whole entire outfit. I was soaked through. That's a total lie, but uh, you get the point. No, I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. I didn't change, but I was, I was sweaty, all right? So we'll see what happens here. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Nor- normally what we do is we read the text first, and then we go back and read other quotations from the text that are from other pas- passages of Scripture. But I think this morning what, what is most helpful, and it was helpful for me, is to read the quote that's in Hebrews chapter 8 first. And that's what we're going to do. So Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. It says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's, what's the next word? Come on now. How many times have you heard somebody say, I wish the Lord would just speak to me? Anybody? I wish the Lord would just tell me what to, yeah, that's right. Pastor, do you, can you just tell me what the Lord wants to say to me? And I'm like, sure. The Lord wants you to go buy Pastor a cup of Starbucks coffee. How does that sound? <laughs> Pike Place, you know what I'm saying, nothing in it, just black. Maybe some heavy whipping cream every now and then, you know what I'm saying. But that's it. I think the Lord's telling you that. Here, here's the thing, the Lord speaks through his word. The Lord, it says here, look at it, Jim, do you hear that? It says he made a declaration, a declaration. What's the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying to me? Look, when the Lord says I'm making a declaration, we need to listen. We need to see that the Lord is speaking through his word. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, if you missed last week's message, you got to go back and, and if you've missed any message in this series at all, go listen to all of them tomorrow. Uh, but they really do build on one another. So if there are things that you don't quite understand, it's because we walk through the passage together on Sunday mornings. I don't preach just topically. Uh, I'm preaching in Hebrews 8, and we have walked through the whole book of Hebrews. So if you're like, I'm missing something, it's because you are. Go back and listen to them. Good stuff. Uh, So what we see here is that with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, you'll know that that's significant because the priest came from the tribe of Levi. And we telegraphed that this is of the order of Melchizedek last week. So just what I'm saying is, is this is a prophet hundreds of years before what we're reading in the book of Hebrews, prophesying what, what the author of Hebrews is saying. This is unreal. So we're in the Old Testament prophets. You, you ever heard of Isaiah? Right? Prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. We're in the Christmas season. That's the prophet Isaiah. We sing and we, we often quote the book of Isaiah during Christmas time. Uh, this is another one of those contemporary prophets, Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet. He watched Israel go through uh, horrible captivities, and, and he lamented because of them walking through those things because of what they did, right? And so here's hundreds of years before the author of Hebrews writes what he writes, Jeremiah is saying it. He's saying the Lord is going to make a new covenant, and, and, and look, it's going to be from the tribe of Judah. Check it out. This one will not be like, verse 32, the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant 
I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their what? I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least to the greatest of them, this is the Lord's declaration. Watch this. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sins. Somebody say amen. Mm -mm -mm. Some of you beat me to it. That's good stuff. Now go to Hebrews chapter 1. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 1. And I read. Now the main point of what is being said is this. Continuation right from chapter 7. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not who? Y'all seeing this? For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest to also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest. Since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. That's the Old Testament law. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. Now, every Jew in the crowd would have been like, right? Especially the ones that crucified him. The religious leaders that crucified Jesus, they were beholden to Moses. They were like, Moses is the man. Look, Moses was their Lamar Jackson. You feel me? Right? As they were going to the team store and they were ordering their, their jerseys to rep the name of Jesus. Just kidding. It would be the name of Moses. Right? It would say Moses on top of their number. And they would like, Moses is the man. He is legit. He is the mediator of our covenant. What was the covenant? The one the Lord made. The Mosaic law that was given, right? The Ten Commandments. He walks down from the mountain. He was, and even more so, if you walk through the book of Exodus with us, you remember that when they left Egypt, they were murmuring, they were complaining, and the Lord repented of leading them out of Egypt, and he was about to destroy them. And who stepped in between? Moses. Moses was like, don't do it. Don't do it, God. I know you're calling that play right now, but that is not the right play. We need to switch. You know what I'm saying? Because if you annihilate these people, Egypt's going to hear about it. Egypt's going to be like, you did all that work, Ten Commandments and everything, just to see them go out to kill them. God, that's not the thing to do. Please don't kill them. And God was like, okay, only because you said Moses. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Moses was the man. Here's what the author of Hebrews is doing. The author of Hebrews is taking their idol. He's taking their star. He's taking their MVP, and he's saying, he ain't the real MVP. We don't feel that tension. 
We don't have the history. If it was our family, if we were Jews, if we understood what our people walked through, our heritage. Now, when people start talking about America, you know what I'm saying? We're like, shoot. Start waving the flag. You know what I'm saying? I bust a few off in the ceiling. I'm like, yeah, America. Come on, say something about my country. Now I'll choke you out again. You know what I'm saying? I just love it, man. And we get all that pride and patriotism because we're Americans, right? That's them. They would be like, what are you doing talking about Moses like that? And, and when you see that Jesus is a greater, superior mediator, their minds go back to the story where Moses mediated, and they're alive, and their ancestors are alive because of Moses. And then they're saying, there's a better one? Do you understand the tension? Like, we have to, we have to look at this from a Hebrews perspective, right? Look at verse number, where are we at, seven? For if that, yeah. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. But finding fault with his people, he says, here's the quote. See the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. I showed no concern for them, says the Lord. Because they did not continue in my covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their minds, write them on their hearts. I will be their God, they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each his brother or sister saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. Does that sound familiar? It's what we just read in Jeremiah. It's a quote here in our text in Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 13. By saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first is obsolete. Do you see it? The first is obsolete. And what is obsolete? Obsolete. Sorry, I'm just adding T's in there and all kinds of stuff. And what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. Now, hang on, right? We're going to go through this. Uh, we're going to go through this text, and I'm just going to show you kind of what the Lord's doing in my heart with it. Uh, some of these are my words, and then we're going to bounce around a little bit, all right? You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready, class? Here we go. Israel broke the covenant that Yahweh made with them. They were pardoned because of Moses and his intercession. Even in this text, we see that Jesus is then viewed as the intercessor just like Moses was. But the difference is astounding. Look at verse number 6, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry. And to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's more better. Some of y'all didn't do it. Turn to your neighbor. We can't get past it until everybody does it. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's more better. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. That's enough. I only said a few words, okay? Shh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on a better promise. And say, more better promise. Turn to your neighbor. More better promise. All right. You got it? Here's my words. Verse 6 shows us that Jesus has obtained a superior ministry. He is operating from a superior place with a superior promise. 
at the Lord's right hand, right? Verse number one said at the Lord's right hand. It's a place of favor and recognition. In their culture, if you had the king, right, on the throne, his right-hand man, watch this, they're in the right-hand position because it's a place of favor. It's a place where uh, what we see uh, of recognition, the fact that Jesus is there, seated at his right hand, shows that the Lord has him there for a purpose and a reason. Favor and recognition. Once again, this isn't our culture. So we have to read between the lines. We say, well, why does the Lord say he's seated at the right hand? Because everyone in that room would have been like, oh, yeah, that's because Jesus is his right-hand man. means he, he has his favor. He has his recognition. Uh, in other words, there's been a shift. You, you thought it was Moses. You thought the Old Covenant, you thought the Old Testament was it. You thought that was the thing. You thought that because God selected you as a nation and blessed you as a nation and disinherited all the other nations, that it's all about you, Israel. But it ain't. Your prophet, your leader, this was just a picture of something better. Can you imagine? I mean, that had to be a little, that had to be a moment for them. That had to shake them a little bit. Now, let's keep moving. When, in fact, we see... What, in fact, rather, we see is that the old covenant and the priesthood that existed with the children of Israel was just a model of a better covenant and promise within the heavens. Once a year, there would be a day of atonement for for the sins of the Israelites, acting as a memorial and show that their sins were not forgotten. Their sins were put on display through sacrifices and rituals that would showcase the real effects of their sin. Under the new covenant, the sins of the people are forgotten in verse 12 and never remembered, which details the efficacy of the new covenant in that Jesus has rightly cared for our sin once for all and defeated it to the point of obliteration. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. Somebody say amen. Now here's what we miss because it's not our culture. When they heard Jesus is the intercessor, they, they're going in their mind, oh my goodness, he's replacing Moses. When they read in Jeremiah and then in Hebrews again that the Lord will forget their sin, it's not just like we sing the casting crown song, right? Our sins are gone from the east is to the west. The Lord forgot my sin. The Lord doesn't even know. He doesn't remember. The Lord has amnesia. I've heard it all, right? The Lord doesn't have amnesia. Like, we, we, <laughs> you, no one's heard that? Is it just me? Y'all are like, ah! I didn't even plan that joke. I thought everybody knew it. <clears throat> the point is, has anybody heard that? The Lord's forgotten our sins as far as the east is from the west. Anybody? I, okay, all right. I'm not on an island up here. All right, come back. Baby, come back to me. Here we go. Let's keep going. So, ADHD, and I did not take my medicine this morning. Absolutely not. We're shooting from the hip today. So, here's the thing. When, when it says that the Lord forgot their sins, we're like, oh, that's convenient. That's neat. He forgot them. No. The Israelites, once a year, brought a sacrifice to temple, and it was the Day of Atonement. This was a big corporate gathering where their sin was essentially put on display. 
the priests' sins. They had to make sacrifices. They, they were not perfect. This was for them, and this was for all the people. All of the sacrifices come to the temple. Essentially, it's one massive cookout, and those sacrifices that were given, that were slaughtered, were sacrifices that they paid for for their own sin. And the death of those animals, the shedding of the blood, and then the cooking of that, the aroma, the sweet-smelling savor, the cook out. Something had to die for there to be fellowship with God. For the smoke from the sacrifice to go to the heavens and become a sweet-smelling savor, it was an act. The Day of Atonement was something in their culture. Like, we celebrate Christmas once a year, don't we? It's the most wonderful time of the year. This would have been like, yeah, it's the most depressing time. No, I'm kidding. I don't know that it would have been. I've never attended the Day of Atonement ceremony. But in their culture... They brought the sacrifices. The priests did the work. And it was an outward show and display that they were sinners. And they had to do something. They had to put it on display to show that they were acknowledging to God. And then also, uh, the goat that they would send out into the wilderness. In other words, the Lord taking their sin, right? Uh, This is all an act The whole Day of Atonement was to show the ritual that they were acknowledging that they had the burden of sin that had to be taken care of. So when it says, I'm just going to get happy, when it says that there is no more remembering of sins, what that means is God doesn't have amnesia. It means God says, I'm going to suspend the Day of Atonement as a ritual because it's been done once for all. That's what that means. The Israelites would be like, we don't have to do it anymore. We don't have to bring the sacrifices anymore as a show for our sin, as a show for what's going to happen over the year for the Lord's work. No, this new covenant, the old covenant says, yes, you are a sinner. The old covenant brings death. The old covenant is something that brings an end to life because of your sin, but the new covenant, a superior promise, a superior blessing, a superior intercessor is someone that allows and brings life. So when it says in verse 12, I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin, it is a new era. Israelites, you you think you're going to have to do the ritual of your day of atonement. That's not the case. There has been atonement made once for all. That's what they're thinking in their mind. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you, Jesus. Amen? All right, another thought. That's pretty neat, isn't it? I think that the the truths here that that we're experiencing are just, they're life-changing. Another thought is that because of Jesus' priestly work being supernatural, it is able to transcend the element of genealogy And I know we talked about this in depth last week, but it's still here in chapter 8. It transcends the element of genealogy, and it's not about his last name, but it's about his name. He embodied the entire covenant in himself and is able to declare others a part of that covenant when they declare their loyalty to him. This allows every person regardless of race, ethnicity, or last name, to be a part of the new covenant. 
Verse 11 spells that out for us. Let me read it. Verse 11 says, And each person will not teach his fellow citizen, and each his brother or sister, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. Somebody say hallelujah. For God so loved the you see, the, and, and many of you that have been with me for a while, you'll, you'll understand this, and this might be a foreign concept to some. But the Lord chose, and, and this is reminiscent of Galatians, right? Galatians, this was a few messages ago. It said that the law was our schoolmaster to lead us to the new covenant, to lead us to grace. The Lord chose an exclusive people, Israel, and disinherited all the others, and he did it for a purpose. He did it to show that the law, right, that the Lord gave and brought to them by the Israelites would condemn not just those people, but we ought to see ourselves in that place of Israel as being someone who would have fallen as well. Does that make sense? Israel, look, we can look at it and go, man, they, they failed over and over. They went into captivity. Right, I can't believe, like, who, who were they? The Lord showed them. He was a pillar of fire. He was a pillar, he was a cloud, right? He fed them with manna. Like, what in the world? Like, if God, if God was in my kitchen tomorrow morning and feeding me, I'd be like, man, I believe this hook, line, and sinker, right? If he was there, the point of the whole story is to show you that if he was there, you would still fall. You're no better than Israel. And the New Covenant, the New Testament, tells us that. It's not about the sign. It's not about the miracle that's being done in front of you. It's about your wicked heart. It's about the fact that you're a sinner. It's about the fact that we're all fallen as human beings, right? But the story goes that the Lord selected a people, Israel, and disinherited all the other nations. And he chose that people to tell this story and to bring about Jesus so that Jesus could be the one, right? The new Adam, the human being that would be born of a virgin, not having uh, human flesh, so to speak, to corrupt him or pass that sin nature down that we all inherited from our fathers. I don't have to teach my children. I don't have to have a how-to-be-bad class for all my kids. I don't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just come out ready to go. They just come out ready to back talk, ready to sin. Anybody else experience that? I, or is it just me? Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not, te- I mean, from a young age, these knuckleheads know what to say to get me going. You know what I mean? And I know what to do to, just saying my right forearm is a lot bigger than my left one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, we don't have to teach them. We don't have how to be a demon class 101. They inherited sin nature. We are in the same place, right? So, but the point is, is this wasn't something to remain exclusive to Israel. The Lord had a plan. And when you, when you read the law, what God was doing is he was saying, look, Israel, check this out. Woo-hoo. You're my image bearers. If you follow these guidelines, you will reflect my goodness, right, to the world. They're following their gods. They're following the people that are leading them, which is rulers in darkness of this world. But Israel, I want you to reflect my name. I want you to be the people of Yahweh. And over and over again, they failed, right? And so then there would come one Israelite 
There would come one Jew, not of the tribe they thought, Levite, the priests, the ones who were supposed to have it all together. There would be another of another order, and he would come, and guess what he would do? He would live as a perfect Jew. He would live as the perfect human representation of Yahweh in the flesh, and his name was Jesus. And and, and here's the thing. Instead of Israel being the only reflection of Yahweh, now because it was Jesus, he came into his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He, what we find, what we experience at Pentecost is he reverses the curse and brings about a new humanity. Not something that is about a last name, but something that is finally about his name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I quote that verse a lot. Why? Because that's the gospel. That is the new covenant. That is all nations, every tribe, every tongue. You will not say according to this covenant, it's because of my last name. It's because you're my brother. It's because you're my sister. You'll say it's because I have met the one who is superior in promise and superior in covenant, and I have declared my loyalty to him, and his name is Jesus. That's why. Here's what we have to understand. This is not just about the nation of Israel. The Lord came as Israel, the new Israel, the new covenant Israel, and then allowed us all to be a part of that family, which is why we shouldn't freak out about Israel going through things because we are all a part of the new covenant. Does that make sense? Obviously, we should condemn evil and all acts of evil, but from a biblical perspective, the Lord is bringing about his kingdom to every nation. To every tribe. So don't let your end time eschatology confuse you. Uh, and if it does, it's probably not something you should. Anyway, moving on. All right. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. By saying a new covenant, do you understand? Old covenant, the law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, Moses, the mediator, that's written. Do what's said, do what's written, do what you're told. Moses showed them the way they must walk, the work they must do. That's an Old Testament saying. The new covenant, it ain't about the letter of the law, it's about the spirit. You say, don't commit adultery, right? But I say, don't look on a woman to lust after her. If you do it in your heart, you're pretty much doing it outwardly. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a new covenant. This is a new era, a new level, right? This is something that's going to be written on your heart, not on a tablet of stone. Are you with me? Come on. We're just getting started. Y'all okay? Let's go the distance today. Let's stay till 8 8 p.m. tonight. Sound good? Mm. The Word of God. They used to stand and read the Word of God all day. Isn't that crazy? How about we do it? Just kidding. There's a Ravens game today. (laughs) It was funny, man. The... Anybody see that black uh, Ravens party bus running around here? Nobody? Shoot fire. Every Ravens game, I walk my dogs every morning, right? And every day there's a Ravens game. That thing's running around our neighborhood, full throttle. I don't know. That thing's probably 40 years old, that van. He's like, I know that thing ain't passed admissions in about 40 years. 
And he's just like in there. Opens the door. And it's, I mean, no offense, but it's just a bunch of boomers getting in there. So he must be offering some kind of deal to go tailgate down at the M&T. But he's got his old bus. And I'm like, man, you wouldn't catch me dead in that bus. I mean, that thing, if it stops, but man, they're, they're, they're ready for the game. They got all their tables. That's hilarious. You know who it is? This is great. Oh, my goodness. Give me a ride, will you? I'll go live on Facebook. Check it out. Hanging with the boomers. You bring a dish. It's a church potluck. We're there. This is amazing. I love this. I, I'm liking this more and more the more I hear. But it was funny, man. They're all coming out, and he's running around the neighborhood picking up all of them. And I'm like, all right, must be game day. You've been on there? I can't say I don't. I believe it. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just messing with you. All right, let's get back here. I have three points for you this morning. But uh, by saying a new covenant, he has declared, this is verse 13. He has declared that the first is obsolete. And what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. Look, here's my thing. You ought to be thankful that you're sitting in a church. You ought to be thankful that you have been exposed to the new covenant at this stage in the game. You ought to be thankful. Why? Because, listen, can you imagine walking through the, the can you imagine going through suffering in this world without knowing Jesus or a purpose through your suffering? Can you imagine walking through the pain that life is? Life is hard. Life is difficult. But we can actually walk through pain with purpose. We can actually tell the world, you know that pain you're experiencing is because of the law of sin and of death. And we all experience it. But guess what? The Lord is renovating this pain one heart at a time. I'm not a slave to what is happening in my mortal physical body because I know what the Lord is working in me. You understand what I'm saying? You ought to be thankful. Why? Because the old covenant is obsolete. It's out to date. Out of date. Out to date. <laughs> what am I saying? My, my daughter was, uh, how did that come up? We were talking about internet and phones the other day. Remember, weren't we? Huh? She Wasn't it Rainy that was talking, was it phones that we were talking about and internet? Oh, she said, do you, did you have a phone when, when, when you were our age or something like that? And I was like, sure I did. Sweetheart, let me tell you something about technology when I was your age. It wasn't even. It was like maybe another five years. It was like, hang the phone up. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember that? That's what it was. I'm like, give me that AOL CD real quick. I'm about to aim somebody. And some of y'all with that at AOL stuff still, it's time to come on in to 2023. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, I was like, you have no idea what kind of phones we had. And I, and I understand I'm still what they would consider a youngin', you know. But I was in that era, that age, when Internet was not something that was accessible at all. And then as it became accessible, I think I was in college, I think it was Cisco, my friend, Francisco, that's fun to say. Anyway, uh, I think I was in, uh, <laughs> I think I was in college when my friend Cisco, I think he got the first iPhone that I, 
that, that I experienced. But I was like holding that thing. I was like, whoa, this is amazing, you know. But we were a part of, of that transition. I have no idea why I'm telling this story, if anybody else remembers. Oh, Verse 13, the old covenant is obsolete. And so we, we understand, we can see what it looks like to go through transition and understand when something is new and, and, impro- and a, basically improved to the point that it's useful. And when something becomes obsolete, listen, it's useless. But here's the problem. I'm telling you, when I experienced this and when I read and I was like sitting and ruminating on it and just kind of like thinking about what this chapter is doing in my heart. Some of us are using an obsolete system to operate our Christian life. Some of us are running Windows 98. And it is absolutely evident. Y'all are on some clunky machine. And you're stuck in it. Here's what it is, religion, good works. I'm just hoping my good outweighs my bad. You poor thing. You need to go to AT&T and talk to Flo. You know what I'm saying. Isn't that her name? Or is that progressive? That's the wrong one. (laughs) You need to go to AT&T because that girl and Flo, they're chilling. And they can get you a new phone. It's evident that you're running on obsolete technology. Let me help you with this new covenant, okay? You ready for an upgrade? Y'all are like, "Uh uh-uh. Oh, yeah, you're ready. Number one, we need to discern the difference between a sign and the substance. Number one, here it is, my thoughts on this chapter. We need to discern the difference between a sign and the substance. The old covenant was all about a sign. Lord, I I need you to know, I need to know that you're there, that you're working. Okay, here's manna. Okay, here's quail. I'm physically there and present, but we got church members still operating that way. Lord, I just need a sign. Tell me you're there. And he's like, I came 2,000 years ago, and Jesus died on the cross. It's like the Bill Ingvall, here's your sign. You You feel me? We're looking for a sign, and the Lord says, why are you looking for a sign when you are the substance? Your life should portray that the new covenant has grabbed you, has owned you, and has changed you. You are the substance. In other words, it's not what you do, but it is who you are. But, but, you, but you got people in the church that are like, I just don't think the Lord wants to talk to me today because I messed up. What are you looking for, a sign that the Lord still loves you? You are the substance of his love. God is love, and God came and brought his love to you, and you in your heart begin. The law is written on your heart. The substance is not tablets of stone. The substance of the new covenant is your heart. And the Lord wants to write that in your heart, and he wants to change you, radically transform you from the inside out. And you are the substance. It's like literally people talk to me, I just don't feel close to the Lord. I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, you're it. It is not about your good deeds. It is not about a building. It is not about, it's not about your methods or your methodology. It is about you. God loves you. Stop looking for a sign. And realize the substance of the new covenant is you. 
the Lord loves you. If we, I believe that just this one point, and I got two more, so don't worry. But I believe that if the church would just realize that God loves them and that it's personal, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't deal with half the stuff we deal with. When we go to do something, if it's an exchange, if it's a barter system, if it's the old law, the old garb, you're going to mess up. If it's the Lord loves me, the Lord's looking at me, should I hurt him? Because by his stripes, I am healed. Stop looking for a sign and realize that you are the substance. In other words, let's get our theology straight. The Lord loves you. He doesn't love what you do. He loves you. The Lord only loves me when I No. He loves you unconditionally. Now, we're getting to what you do, so <laughs> hold on. Number two. <laughs> we have everything we need in Jesus to become a son and daughter in the family of God. Number two, this is what I'm seeing in chapter eight. We have everything we need in Jesus to become a son and daughter in the family of God. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture. It blew my mind. Are you ready? How many love it when scripture is so good it just blows your socks off? Amen? I'm going to read it to you. Be careful. Colossians 2, 8 through 15. Sorry, Bill. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. I'm seeing a lot of that going on. And it's like shares on Facebook. Oh, this. Oh, 100% this. That is everything. Um, so much this. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> yes. Vain human philosophies. Watch this. Verse number nine. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't finish it. Back to verse number eight. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. Here it is. Based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Oh my goodness. And you have been filled by him. Somebody say amen. And you have been filled by him. Who is the head over every ruler and authority? You were also circumcised in him. By his stripes you were healed with a circumcision not done with hands. By putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. In the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. I love Paul. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Somebody say amen. Let that sink in. Here's what I'm saying. We have everything we need in Jesus. Oh, no, here's what we need, Pastor. (laughs) 
we don't need another program. Programs are good. We don't need another event. We don't need to change the paint color. It doesn't matter what color the chairs are. Everybody knows I like gray and blue. It doesn't matter. You know what matters? You know what cha- actually changes lives? Jesus. Simply Jesus. We have all sufficiency in Christ. If we get past that, if a church is like, well, <laughs> you just need to do this. You just need to change your behavior and everything. You just need to put good vibes into the universe, and the universe will send good vibes back to you. I'm going to send something in the universe real quick. Look, Jesus was sent to our universe. And when we accept him, we accept everything we need. When we screw up, it's because we forgot how good he is. When we fall short, it's because we weren't tapped into the source, not because we need something else. In other words, point number one, remember, the substance. If you are the substance, right, if you are the object of his affection, understand he is what it takes to change you, and he is all you need. Do you hear me? (laughs) He is all you need. Whatever you're thinking this morning, whatever you want to add to, look, it is Jesus plus nothing. It is only him. Number three, living in the new covenant is living. This is the practical end, okay? You understand? Here's the pendulum. You have one, the pendulum swings over here, and you say, Jesus is everything. It doesn't matter what I do, right? I can live however I want, and I prayed a prayer, and I believed in Jesus, so I'm still going to heaven. I believe in Jesus. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter what I do, right? Anybody ever met anybody like that? The pendulum swings all the way to the other side. I have to live a good life to go to heaven. Everything I do matters, and it's an exchange, and I have to do good works. If I don't, I'm going to hell. That's one extreme to the other. Where's the middle ground? Thank you for asking. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. So then you have received Christ Jesus our Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Wait, it doesn't stop there. That sounded really good, didn't it? I love that passage. Wait for it. Romans 6, 1 through 14. This is so good. What should I say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? I'm going to live bad so that God can give me his grace. That's a dumb idea. Paul says this, verse number two, absolutely, absolutely not. How can we say, I'm sorry, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that our body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may know 
longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, oh, 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 you hold your applause. Wait, there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Here it is, right this. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. There's no more day of atonement. There's no more remembering. There's nothing to remember. He's already done the work. He's put it upon himself, and he's paid for your sin. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. There's more. So you too consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as for those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. And the church said, listen to me. I know you wanted to. Are you ruled and marked by sin? Are you ruled and marked by sin? Are you enslaved to them? Listen up. Are you glorying in them? Even worse, are you bartering with them? We no longer have obligation to our sins. So walk away from them. Spend your whole life living in the one that freed you from that lifestyle. Confession and repentance are a working therapy of God's good grace. Walk in that. The power of the resurrection showcases our new creation life in Jesus. Is that where you are? Come on now, is that where you are? If not, why? If you have declared your loyalty to Jesus, then you should be there. Point number three was this. Living in the new covenant is living in the freedom that we have in Jesus. This is a picture of grace and humility co-signed with the gratitude that we should have in confession and repentance. It's not about the pendulum saying, I can do whatever I want or everything I do matters. It's everything he did matters. I confess and repent when I run into sin. When I become, listen, any one of us at any point in time can become a weapon of unrighteousness. Any one of us can succumb to our sin. Go ahead. They're getting ready for baptism. Go ahead. Y'all are going to be buried with him in baptism here in a minute. Amen. Look right here, church. Any of us can become a weapon of unrighteousness. Listen to me. But if we understand the substance, if we understand that God loved you so much and he loved me so much that everything Jesus did was for you and for me, we can let our sin be buried with the death on the cross. And when he was raised, right, the third day, we're going to celebrate Easter in a little bit. I'm ready for it. Anybody ready for Easter? Man, I'm ready for the weather change. Come on. We're on the first advent, and I'm ready for Easter. Understand this, when he was resurrected, that same power, that's a lot of power, isn't it? Man, he, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He showed himself alive after his passion to over 500 people. He would have been convicted of being the son of God, actually. What's that mean? It means that same power that got Jesus up out of the grave lives in you. 
we don't have to succumb to, we have to do it, or we don't have to do anything. It's, Lord, work in me. Lord, help me die to myself so that you can be shown through my life. Jesus is your priest. How many would rather have Jesus as your priest than one of Aaron's brothers that has his own sin? Jesus has got this. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. While I get ready for baptism, here's what I want you to do. I want you to confess and repent. That ought to produce gratitude in your heart. And then you can walk in grace. What's grace? It's something you and I both don't deserve. We don't deserve God's grace, but let me tell you something. I will for sure take it. Amen. Man, the Lord's grace. Actually, Jen, let's pray before I get ready for baptism. Come on down. If you need prayer, come on down. Take some time and seek the Lord.
Amen. Man, it's neat to watch folks follow the Lord, isn't it? Amen. We have four children getting baptized this morning. Their mom's been coming, and just her faithfulness has been awesome to see. And I love to see folks come from different backgrounds, different walks of life, and folks come around and help and be there and encourage. Was it your first, was it a mom's group? Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, walking through a mom's group, uh, Brittany came and, uh, you know, just bearing, women bearing burdens, talking and chatting and then coming to church, her children being involved in the kids program and then uh, following the Lord in salvation, trusting, putting their faith, trust in Jesus. And then it's, hey, they want to get baptized. I'm like, yes, amen. Uh, this is what it's all about, amen. This is absolutely what it's all about. So I'm going to baptize these four little ones, and uh, you cheer them on, okay? That's exciting. Amen. Church, it was good to be in the house of the Lord today, wasn't it? Amen. Let's pray for one another. Let's lift each other up. The Lord's grace is sufficient. We don't need anything else other than who? Come on, other than who? What do we like to say at Bethlehem? Father, we love you. We thank you. This is your church. We pray you would go before us. Keep us safe. Father, may the Ravens win this game today. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.